Hey, welcome to the Hypothesis Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Martinez. Today we have returning guest, Joel Friedland. If you have not checked out the other podcast, please go check it out. We talk about industrial and industrial uh, nuances and raising capital and Chicago food, a little bit of everything. Uh, but Joel, you're back again. Um, today we covered deal breakdown. We covered cool, interesting stories. Do you have a cool, interesting story or a couple that you would like to share with us today? Sure. Um, my favorite story is about a meeting that I had with an investor who was a billionaire. Wow. So I knew a guy who I had played golf with and I didn't know him real well, but I'd played golf with him a few times and I knew that he was in a business that was a supplier to uh, a lot of restaurants. And I had a feeling he was incredibly wealthy and I asked people, I said, oh, he's a billionaire. This was 2007. And I said to him, I'd like to have you maybe invest in one of my deals. He said, well, every Wednesday, my family and I get together around our kitchen table and we bring people in who have investments and we listen to them. So in 2007, I was kind of uh, cocky because 2008 hadn't happened yet. And I hadn't lost very much money on many things, although I did have some losses. Yeah. But really never were anyone lost anything substantial. So I'm sitting at the kitchen table with this guy and his wife, Harriet, and the three kids. And the kids are adults. They're all in their, at the time, in their 40s or 50s. And he said to me, so tell me about your worst deal. I said, I haven't had a worst deal. I said, we've lost a little bit on a couple things. But other than that, we haven't had any losses. He said, meeting's over. I said, what? He said, meeting's over. He said, we are not investing with you. I said, I don't understand. I told you we've never had any major losses. He said, well, that's a problem. Because if you've done all the deals you said you've done and you haven't had any losses, it means either you're lying to yourself and you still own deals that are in trouble and you just aren't selling them because you you don't want uh, to get that. the end and tell people, yeah, that you lost money. So you're holding on to them and you're hiding that from your people. Or if you really haven't lost money, and you've got some technique that nobody else in the world has, which I don't believe. He says, you don't know what it's like when there's a downturn and bad things go against you. And I don't want to be on an airplane with a pilot who's never had a situation where he had to do something and not panic and save the day so the plane wouldn't crash. You know, if you've got thousands of hours as a pilot, you've had problems. Things happen. Engines don't work. They, they you know, there smoke's in the cabin. You got to know how to handle problems. And if you've never had a problem, you are going to freak out when something bad happens. So he didn't go in. Guess what? He was right. Because when 2008 happened, I ended up with 10 bad deals out of the 50 that we owned. And I had seven banks chasing me for personal guarantees and coming after my partners, my, my close partners who also guaranteed loans with us. And I went into a deep depression because I thought I had lost everybody's money. And that guy was right. It's a story that's uh, about being vulnerable and real and having good self-awareness. And at that point, I think I was missing those three things. Wow. Um, I'm really glad you mentioned this um, This side topic. I'm doing a, a call today with our, my, one of my students and we're covering like distress and how to deal with the stress because a lot of people they fall into when that happens they fall into a deep depression and they feel like they can't see the exit so my question to you is how did you transition through that hard period because 
a lot of people and i don't i was in 2008 i was 16 so i didn't really see or know anything that happened but i know a lot of people went through a lot of trying times during that period and there was self-harm or self self-infliction that happened during that time but um, yeah. how, how did you deal with that coming out of that well i was on that couch behind me and i couldn't get off and my parents were both living at the time and my wife and my kids were watching me because I was so depressed that they were worried that I could do some self-harm. And believe me, I thought about it because I felt like I felt such shame that things didn't work out the way that I had told people that I thought they would. You yeah. know, shame's a killer. And I wasn't vulnerable enough at that time to be able to handle it. There's a woman who I listened to on podcast. Her name is Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E, Brene Brown. And she's a, a researcher who talks about vulnerability and shame. And she says, they're not weaknesses, they're strengths. And people who can look at what they're vulnerable in and really deal with it are going to come out better and be really better people and have better relationships than people who are lying hotshots. Because if you're a hotshot, chances are you're a liar. So I just work really, really, really hard. I Ready? This is vulnerable, vulnerable of me to say on a recording. I got a really good psychiatrist and I tried many medications and most didn't work. There's a song by Bruce Hornsby called Life in the Psychotropics. And it's about all the medications that it seems that he took when he had a depression. Mm -hmm. And mental health is a very big deal. So I, I found that my psychiatrist wasn't helping me. It took years to feel better three years and I switched psychiatrists because the first guy's medications weren't working. And the second guy came up with the right combination of uh, mood stabilizers and antidepressants. And simultaneously I went in for counseling, by the way, to another guy named Joel, call him the other Joel. And I was going once or twice a week to talk it through. And I also found a meditation teacher and I found that meditation was a really good way to find gaps in between that feeling of misery where everything looks helpless and hopeless. Yeah. So the meditation, medication and counseling, and then just working, it, you can't come out of something by wishing that you can come out. You got to actually work. So I had to work, you know, and I had to push myself to go to the office and I was so depressed. I was literally sometimes at the office, I'd close my door and I'd lock it. And I, I had a pillow there that I kept in the corner and I would get on the floor and I would, lie down on the floor because I couldn't even sit up without being nauseous. I was so, so down. And I literally would take a nap on the floor in my office to feel better. So getting out of that took a lot of work, but I admitted it after a certain point to my investors and my clients and my family. I said, I've gone through this really difficult, disastrous time in my life and I'm coming out of it and I'm so grateful to be coming out of it. But yeah. people who don't understand vulnerability in business are going to get hurt. And it can be life and death. I've seen life and death. There are people who get into that helpless, hopeless feeling and they end it because they, they can't, they don't see that the sun's going to shine again one day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so that, that was a situation where um, 
I learned so much. And today I do my deals primarily all cash, no debt. Because when I look back at what caused the problems for the bad deals, the 10 bad deals out of 50, across the board, it was having debt where I didn't have the staying power to get through it. It still would have been difficult, but when you don't have the, the staying power, that's where it's devastating because you lose the property or you have to do something when it goes into the workout department at the bank. So that was really tough. And today I tell people that story to open when, when I get out there, I don't say we haven't lost. Remember the billionaire story. We haven't lost any money. Nobody wants to talk to that guy. That guy's bullshit, right? The real guy is the one who says, let me tell you about what I went through. And it goes, there's so much more to this, but uh, I don't want to go on and on. So I, I appreciate you being vulnerable on this. I, I didn't expect it to go this direction at all. Um, but um, I understand the ramifications of all of that on both sides. Um, and I know it wasn't easy, easy to even say that. I, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that with the audience, even sharing with me in general. I don't know if Karen really listens to this later, but I appreciate you sharing that with me because um, I always look to people that are older because they've, not that you're old, but you've you've experienced a lot more things than I have, and I take that with a as a stepping stepping stool that hopefully I can do better. Yeah, and I don't ever want to. I've I've I had my first business that went under, um, and I've dealt with some things, but not to the extent that you did. So I've had my own trials and tribulations in my own way, but um, it was a learning curve. Um, and I had family and friends reach out to me like, are you okay? I'm like, hey, if people are in the same position, they would be in a lot better state of mind, but I know I'm good. Yeah, and it gives me a tremendous amount of empathy for people who are struggling. Yeah. Because before you had that experience, there's there's not the same level of sensitivity yeah. about people. And, and by the way, I haven't found anybody who doesn't have some sort of problem yeah. in their family, right? So. When I, when I tell people this, they go, oh, yeah, you know, my brother had that or, oh, my son's struggling with that right now. And there's many other sides to mental health that I've discovered, including I've really discovered a lot about addiction. And almost everybody I know has someone in their life or more than one person who are struggling with addiction. And because I was going through some programs where I met a lot of people who had super bad issues i become very close with people who are in recovery programs and it occurred to me besides aa and narcotics anonymous na um and there are people who are sexually addicted they they can't stop having sex with people that they just meet and so forth and they do things that get them in trouble um and food addictions people who just don't know how to stop eating and weigh 500 pounds. I, I know I know those people and many of them are friends of mine and many of them have relatives that have problems. But one thing that I think for business that I'd like to mention is that the gambling addiction I have discovered with a lot of people and even looking back at my own story is business can turn a person into somewhat of a problem gambler. Because 
people don't only gamble in the casino. They also gamble in the stock market with doing day trading and stuff like that. And most of the people who do day trading, eventually they crap out and they fall into a desperate situation emotionally and they don't see it coming. And then they start borrowing money from people to try to chase their losses and they do dishonest things. And one of the things I've, I've learned about addicts is they're generally uh, trying to cover it up because they're ashamed of stuff. And so there's a lot of lying. And I've watched that. And I have to watch out for people when I do business with them to make sure that they're not falling into those traps. I don't want to go into business and do deals with partners who I can't trust. I've had I've watched certain people do things that like promissory note funds can turn into a Ponzi scheme in about five minutes. Because if you miss... The first payment, you have to explain to your investors, hey, our deal isn't working the way we thought it would. So the, the next payment, the next quarter, they might make a payment, not based on what's coming in, but based on what the promise is and the promissory note. And once they do that once, they have now done something that they know is wrong and months could go by and they could do it again and they could do it again and they could do it again. And before you know it, You've distributed money that's coming in from new people and giving it to the old people. And I've got this guy I know in Utah who had the most brilliant idea. He was building event centers, 10,000 foot event centers all around the country where people could have weddings and it would be a lot less cost than a hotel or any fancy um, event center. And they were brilliant, but it wasn't working. And he started promising people a certain return and he started taking money from new investors to pay the old ones because he didn't want to admit the loss. Yeah. So that can happen if you've got a gambling mentality. And by the way, if someone says I'm a deal junkie, I'm not going to be their partner because I don't want to be partners with an anything junkie. I want to be I want to be partners with people who are in recovery, who are vulnerable and learned the downside of making stupid business decisions that are based on being impulsive. Hmm. Wow. That's a lot to take in. Um, that's a lot. I think that's your wisdom and uh, experience speaking. But I hope everybody, I hope everybody uh, you got to listen to that again if you need to go back and listen to it again. I think there's a lot of nuance in there. That's good. Wow. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Joel. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, please go check out his other episode. This has been an amazing episode. The other episode is an amazing episode um it is definitely worth the time um to go back and listen to both episodes if you're here and you need to listen to this one again please do it i think there's a lot of uh, um experience and knowledge speaking today as a whole um where can we find you online joel uh brittproperties.com b-r-i-t properties.com we manage 20 industrial buildings our portfolio the average building, the value of our average building is about three and a half million dollars. And we raise money in, in chunks of 25, 50, 100,000, 250, in some cases or more. And um, one of the things that is on our website is an article called Why You Should Not Invest With Us. And it talks <laughs> about the 10 questions that if you don't ask them, you should not invest with somebody. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. I like I like I like your approach to a lot of things, and I think people need to understand the risk that they're they're jumping into. 
uh, before they jump into it. I think um, you only have it's a lot. It's a lot harder to gain a loss than it is to get consistent wins. Yeah. So understand what you're doing, and even though credit investors are professional investors, they sometimes make the right decisions. So I think understand everything that you're really getting into, and um, I think you investing all cash. It's important. It's important to the stability of, of your asset, and you know, you know what your exit's going to be every time. Well, yeah, the key to an all cash deal is wealthy people aren't looking to get rich; they're already rich. They're looking not to lose their wealth. And this all cash thing—it's not for everybody. A lot of people think I'm a moron because they say, "Hey, real estate's a leverage business. If you don't use leverage, you're not doing real estate right." But I have seemed to have found a group of people who agree that. A safer deal and sleeping well at night with staying power is preferable to taking a big risk. You see how many people are losing their buildings today because of not being able to refinance and losing tenants. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's rough out there. And we're really comfortable in our little niche with the no debt that, yeah, we're not going to make a fortune by leveraging, but we're going to be in a position where we have a strong balance sheet and staying power to not get uh, trounced. There you go. Go to BritProperties.com with one T. Uh, for everybody here listening, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode. Uh, thanks, Joel, for coming in and uh, sharing some information with us today. And as always, we'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to receive hot leads right to your cell phone in a text message, check out HiveLeads.io, and you can receive the same leads we've been receiving in our campaign for three and a half years that's made us successful in the land game. Check us out.